Producer Doug here. I just want to talk about Pop Culture Classroom. They are the ones that put on Denver Comic Con, and we want to help support them so that we can keep bringing you all this amazing audio, such as panels and interviews from Denver Comic Con. So let's get right into it. Pop Culture Classroom inspires a love of learning, increases literacy, celebrates diversity, and builds community through the tools of popular culture and the power of self-expression. They envision individuals transformed by the educational power of popular culture who create diverse, inclusive, and engaged communities. They provide quality service to kids and communities, respect, inclusive, and diversity, uh, quality of opportunity, alternative approaches to education, and they recognize each person's intrinsic dignity and importance through open communication, responsibility, and honesty. Did I sound like I read that off the website? I absolutely did, because... Well, I did. I want to get everything right for them because they are fantastic. I recommend going to their website and donating just to keep them going. This fantastic program, plus everything to do for the community, uh, literacy, respect, and of course, Denver Comic Con, so we can bring you all this stellar guests and panels and Q&As and interviews. So remember, go to popcultureclassroom.org, click on the donate, or just take a spin around their website and check it out. And now, on with the show. I like having this whole thing with myself. And I might, be, I might move from chair to chair, depending on uh, I'll play different characters during this, during this panel. Hi, everybody. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I flew in from Japan yesterday, so if I start to pass out during this panel, that's why. And hopefully somebody knows CPR in the, in the audience now. Well, shout out to Tony, I'd like to just open the floor for questions. Yeah, our other moderator went MIA. I don't know if he, uh, if, if uh, you know, I hope he's okay. I'm sure he's fine. I don't know if he had any questions that he was going to ask, but since he's not here, we'll just go right to you guys. And I assume you ask better questions anyway. I'm going to give you the benefit of the Young lady in the green shirt, would you stand up and ask your questions? We can all hear. Hi. from over here. Uh, I, uh, okay, my favorite memory from Gilmore Girls. Gosh. Um, you know, I'm going to pick a recent one, actually. Um, I, I liked in the... There was a lot of things about doing the reboot that I thought were... Um, that made it sort of even more enjoyable than the first time around. You know, we were all a little older, and I think that we appreciated it a little bit more. And the show had grown so much in popularity in the years that it, it had been off. Um, and so my favorite memory was coming back and doing the dinner scene. Um, the, the, the episode where Kirk comes back and he's just there. Because, you know, I'd seen so many of those. And over seven years, but I'd never been part of one. And so to be, to be there and be part of the dinner scene with all the, the girls 
and, uh, and particularly being able to, to act. I, I, I got to work very little with Kelly Bishop in the original run of the show, and I just think she's a magician. I think like she is such a brilliant, brilliant actress. Um, I, I always say in general that I think awards are stupid, but um, you know, but if anybody deserves an award for acting, it's Kelly Bishop. Um, and so I, uh, I really loved going back and working with them and doing that scene. Sort of a, a family. Um, I uh, I really do 
really love working with and getting to know uh, Chris and Zoe and Dave and Pom and Karen and everyone really. Um, and it's, it's been one of the nicest parts of the, the process. And, and the, like the um, going, to, sitting to do the table read for the second movie is just one of my favorite memories from anything because you're just getting back together again and sort of, you know, taking a breath and being like, wow, that was really such a great experience. Let's let's do it again. Let's do our best to like put our, our all into this and do it again. Um, and so I hopefully look forward to that in the third movie. Technically, not supposed to discuss anything about like that. That's always my my big question. There's no major spoilers you would like to give to this room in particular, as the questions come up. Yes, I'm certain that you would all keep it here in this room, and not share it with the outside world. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I get afraid of that poison dart <laughs> from Disney if I give any spoilers. We can all keep a secret. It's the people that we tell them to that can't keep it. That's the problem we find when it comes to it, but no, so glad. I don't know how many of the uh, conversation questions. Is this your first time in Denver? Seventh time in Denver? No, I've been in Denver several times, actually, but um, uh, not too much recently, so um, it's, nice to, it's nice to be back. Welcome, welcome back. We could not be more excited to have you. Um, I definitely don't want to ask too many questions from my end, because I know when I was sitting there, I just wanted the monitor to stop talking and let me ask my questions. But one of the big ones I wanted to always ask, and it comes up a lot when I mentioned I was monitoring this, is you're also rockets a lot. Talk about the differences of physicalizing rockets versus being able to be fully seen and acting on screen. Well, um, the whole, the whole uh, way in which I... Be, I you know, began doing Rocket in the movies was was very strange because I know that my my brother wanted a, an actor that he trusted and had worked with a lot to play Rocket on set so that the other actors wouldn't be talking to a blank space when we shot those scenes. And, and, and also just when you rehearse the scenes and, you know, you need to have a, a sort of physical embodiment of that character. And, uh, and Bradley Cooper wasn't even cast until most of the first movie had been shot. So we didn't even know who the voice of the character was gonna be. We just knew that he needed to look as realistic as possible. So um, so they hired me to do Rocket, but we didn't really know what that meant until I arrived in London and we had our first rehearsal. And I just got down on my, my hands and knees um, and started doing the character. Um, and, and started kind of pretending to be a raccoon. And, <laughs> and, and it turned out that that's what really worked. Um, that, that having a, a set of actual eyes to look at when you looked at Rocket's eyes was really helpful, not just for the other actors, but then also the visual effects team was like, wow, it's really helpful to have those reference shots of Sean in there playing Rocket because then we can start to animate the character right away in terms of where he's moving and how he's moving and that kind of stuff. And so um, so it really just sort of became uh, a, a job that I fell into and, uh, and did it. And then for the second movie, by that time, of course, um, Bradley had already come in and, and does such an awesome job with, um, you know, voicing the character and sort of completing the whole picture. Um, but we just decided not to mess with it for the second movie. We were like, let's just 
used the exact same process. And then um, Kevin Feige came up to me at, uh, at Comic-Con the year, you know, um, I guess in 2016, and said, hey, we're gonna shoot these, these Infinity War movies and, you know, Rocket's in these movies, and so let's, we don't wanna mess with it. We, we would really love you to come back and do that. And so I ended up, you know, I'm now four movies in where I, I'm playing this character, um, unaccustomed to not having my, my face or voice in the final product, but, <laughs> you know, but it's cool. It's, it's part of the job that I really like. I'm there for the other actors, and it's, very, it's, a, it's a great help to the visual effects team, and so um, it's just become like another, another role for me that I, I put my all into, and, and some of what I do finds its way into the movie, and, and some doesn't, and, um, you know, but it's, uh, it's a pretty cool job. And we love you for it. Thank you so much. get a big round of applause after saying no one sees my face or body and I still give it my all you're not in the right room but you're in the right room um, so but speaking of things finding their way into the movie uh, rumor has it it's quite common for the galaxy uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies to have some actor input or some ideas that make their way into the final product what's that like in a process versus a heavily strict you know stick to the script vibe well, you know, I, I gotta point out that we are mostly strict to the strip, mm. script kind of vibe. I mean, most of what you see in the uh, in the um, in the final cut of the movie is as it was scripted, and we always do versions when we're shooting it that are pretty much verbatim for the script. Uh, my my brother James, and even most of the lines that are improvised that aren't in the script but end up in the movie aren't improvised by, their act, by the actors. They're actually improvised by my brother, and he's feeding them those lines to us <laughs> from behind the thing, so that as he directs and we do the scene, he'll give us new ideas for lines, which he has in a separate, he has like alternate line versions for a lot of stuff that he, he gives us in the moment. Um, once in a while, we will riff ourselves. Usually that would be on a button for a scene, like a joke, right at the end of the scene um, would be pretty common to throw in some ad-libs. Um, and Chris certainly, you know, has leeway uh, to ad-lib here and there. But he doesn't go nuts. It's not like shooting a, you know, it's, it's not like shooting a, a Judd Apatow movie or something where there's like all kinds of improvisation from the actors. Uh, for the most part, we're, we're sticking pretty close to the script. Perfect. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a lot of questions because there's always that rumor. The second you hear one, Chris Pratt made it up, then all of a sudden the wildfire spreads. So thanks for clarifying yeah. that for us. Um, like I said, I promised I wasn't going to talk too much. This means that if you have questions, we can start taking questions. But if your question kind of sucks, I'm going to rephrase it into a better question. So, <laughs> all right, right there was the first hand to shoot up. What do you got? Um, my favorite actor to work with on set. I don't know. That's that's a tricky question because. You know, I don't know. It's like it's like asking a, a parent who their favorite kid is. I, I don't know. It's like I, I I love so many people I work with. I don't think that anybody's better than, than any other. Although, um, as long as I, I am pointing people out, I'll say I sure enjoy watching Karen Gillan work a great deal. You know, I was there. I did that scene with her where she delivers the whole monologue about 
how she's going to rip, rip uh, you know, tear Thanos limb from limb. Um, and, uh, and she's just awesome. She's just a really, she's a real pro and, and, uh, and I, you know, I don't know, but that's just one. I could really honestly sit here and say something great about each actor that I've worked with. But we're here to talk about you. So well done. We did avoid the, uh, you know, getting on BuzzFeed. Sean Gunn only likes Karen Gillan. Well, well done. Um, next question right there. Hi, thanks for having me. supposed to like just miss and I 
I turn my face right when he crosses the plane on my face. He connected full on <laughs> and broke my nose. And the, the, the pop, there was a pop that, that you could hear that when they were editing the movie, they didn't want to use the pop because it sounded too fake. <laughs> Even though it's the actual sound of my nose breaking. Um, they ended up deciding to go ahead and leave it in. Uh, and so if you go back and watch that movie and listen to the, the sound that, that my, my, you know, my face makes when I, when I hit it, that's the actual sound of my nose breaking. So that's my f funnest memory. All right, in the back there. Uh, what are some of the similarities and differences between filming like a long-running TV show or a franchise movie and the other uh, Let's see, the difference between... Well, the, diff the main difference between shooting TV and shooting film is that the, the, the days are so much more rigid in TV. You've got to make your day. So, like, you... Uh, everything that you need to shoot by the end of the day, it's all got to be done. Um, we're pretty good about staying on schedule at Guardians, but all movies aren't like that. Um, you know, from a character point of view, I know now, as I said earlier, I know now that, like, Craglin was going to be in, in more than one movie, but I didn't know it then. I didn't know it when we shot the first movie. So, so doing movies feels very much more like, you know, you have this one little window of opportunity to play this character, and that's all, that's all it is. Um, with a television show, there's a give and take between the, between the actor and the writers of the show, where the, sh the character can sort of grow as the show continues. Um, and so, from a professional point of view, that really feels very different. That the that the that the character kind of changes, and the writers write towards your strengths more and more. And that's probably my favorite thing about doing TV. Right there. Am I working on my whistle? Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I hope so. I, 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 you know, the, the better I get at it, I, I, I guess the more help I could be <laughs> fighting bad guys in the future. So uh, that's really all I can say about that. That was a lot. Thank you very much. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. So I'm gonna try to do segment to segment to so make sure I don't look right too far. Right there, yeah. You, yes. Favorite part of either film? Is this back to choosing children again? Yeah, I don't, it's, I mean, I don't know. There, it's, it's hard, that's a hard question because, again, like, there are different special memories that come with different scenes. Um, so it, I don't really think of ranking them, but I, I, will, I will say that filming the 12% of a planned scene from the first movie <laughs> was a really special day on set. You know, we had a full day to shoot that scene, and I was playing Rocket in that scene, and it was just, just the Guardians, just dialogue, you know? And so that was really, really fun to shoot a scene like that. Um, you know, in the second movie, my favorite scene is probably 
the scene I mentioned earlier with Karen where I'm showing her the ship and she gives the monologue and then I say, oh, you know, I was thinking more like a necklace or something like that. The girls go, oh, that's nice. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that, those are two that stick out, but there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good memories from almost every scene that I've shot. I'd like to dovetail on that one just a little bit. Um, Guardians 1 was kind of considered almost an underdog movie. Not as popular characters, not as mainstream. When filming it, was there a vibe of like, oh man, they don't know what's coming? Or... Yeah, I think that it was really after, um, you know, they, they were scared uh, about Guardians because it, it, it was really, it had the potential to really be a disaster. Um, but, you know, I knew my brother, I trusted him, and I read the script. And, I, and so I knew how good it was. Um, and I think we all kind of knew that. So even though they were still fearful, we knew that there was like, that, that we had a great script on our hands, and if we didn't, you know, F it up when we were shooting it, <laughs> that, that we would have a good movie on our hands. Um, but I think it was really after Comic-Con in, in San Diego, um, they, they went, after only 11 days of shooting, they went to San Diego Comic-Con during the first movie, and just a little mashup of, of a little like sizzle uh, trailer that they showed, and the audience went bananas, and you could just tell that it was, that there was tons of excitement for it. And I think it was, there was a, a I think that they came back to, we were shooting in England, and, and when those guys came back to England, they were really um, energized by that crowd and by what they heard, and they thought, oh, this, this could be really a big, big movie, you know? Um, <laughs> and I think that was sort of the first indication that we may have something really special on our hands. Awesome, that is awesome. I've always, always been curious, right there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I was gonna say it's always awkward for you, but I <laughs> <laughs> nothing against your voice, Floyd. But, I, but I'm just saying I've been, I've been, I have a lot of practice at it now, so I'm not, I'm not too surprised when I hear my voice. And 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 honestly, part of my job is knowing what my voice sounds like and what I think. You know, like I, I need to know what I'm doing. That's what actors do. It's um, uh, so I, you, you get used to it. I mean, you get used to it. It's, you, you know, getting recognized on the street by fans takes a lot more getting used to than mm. seeing yourself on camera does. Um, th that's a lot more uh, sort of unusual and something you have to, to navigate, particularly, you know, when you're like, I don't know, tired and in the grocery store and people just come up and start talking to you. It's, it, can be, <laughs> it, can, it can throw you out of your, your world a little bit. I'm much more used to it now. But yeah, no, I'm pretty used. To, I mean, I've, I've been acting professionally for over 20 years now, so I'm like, I'm, uh, I feel pretty, pretty used to it by now. <laughs> All right, yeah, right there. Jackasses, yeah, that is that is true, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the end of the the, the the last line of that scene, as scripted, um, uh, was it's just Rocket saying, uh, Rocket shrugging and standing and saying, you know, 
you happy now? Or something like that. And I'm standing too, you happy now? Or something like that. And I did on one of the, on one of the takes, I, I had a bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. <laughs> and, um, and my brother loved it and kept it in the movie, obviously. Um, and, uh, and, and he ended up saying in, in subsequent in interviews that it's his favorite line from the first movie. <laughs> and if you know my brother as well as I do, it must really pain him to say that. <laughs> because he's very protective of his own lines and making sure that no one ever takes credit for lines that he wrote. And uh, for saying that, you know, for making sure that people know, you know, all the, you know, what he wrote and that all the songs are his, are his picks, which is true. He picks every single song. Nobody else has any input on that. And all those kinds of things. So, uh, so yeah, no, I'm pretty proud of that one. <laughs> awesome. Say right there in the middle, back. Yeah, you, uh, with the beard. Yes. So you were talking about Guardians uh, One and how Bradley hadn't been cast till later on. And so for the second one, did you listen to Bradley's voice acting first? Did you act first and he did it? Did you guys collaborate? How did that work? Uh, no, we, I just did it the same way I did in the first movie, which is I just kind of have my own sort of thing that I do with the character. And, and uh, you know, um, it's, all, it's all guided pretty well by, by my brother James. So he knows sort of which direction things are heading. And... Um, and I just sort of do my thing with it, and then, and then they adjust as necessary um, later later on. But no, we don't communicate about about performance at all. Um, and I just kind of do my thing, and then, you know, if, sometimes there's some similarities, but it changes a lot of things too. So. Yeah, it's a great case of it's not broke, don't fix it, and it certainly wasn't broke. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, right there. <laughs> I, I cannot, can neither confirm nor deny anything that <laughs> happens in Infinity War. I can tell you that um, that I did, I had a lot of fun uh, doing the rocket stuff in the next, in Avengers 4, or whatever it's going to be called. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I got to work with a lot of new people, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to be able to share that with an audience. I really thought... Um, you know, I thought that the second one was just as awesome, or more so, than the first one when we were shooting it. So I hope, and I'm really happy with how how Infinity War turned out. So I, I can't wait to see the next one. And I gotta say, I'm contractually obligated to catch any poison darts before they reach him right now. I'm having DCC. So if you have a spoiler question for Avengers 4 yet, and down, I want to make it to tomorrow. All right, right there in the front. Yeah, it, it, the, the question was, were any of the songs from off Awesome Mix 1 and 2 written into the script? And the answer is, all of them are written into the script. Um, they are, the, um, we're, this is very unusual for any, any film, big budget or small, uh, but one of the first things in the process that my brother does when making a movie, or when making these movies at least, is get the rights to those songs so that he already has them before he starts writing. That way, he can write the scenes tonally to fit, to match the songs and make sure that they're in there. 
And then furthermore, we can actually play those songs on set when we're shooting those scenes. So particularly for action sequences, it's really helpful to have the actual song that's gonna be played because some of the action is choreographed to the song itself. And the same is true for, for some of the really dramatic scenes. Um, uh, you know, for the most part, most of the actors will have an earbud in their ear where they can, we can hear the song, you know, like for example, Father and Son, uh, the Cat Stevens song at the end of the second movie. Um, you know, we're, we're really hearing that when, when, when we're shooting that scene, um, it, which is really amazing. It's like a really, really cool way. Other, other actors that I work with, are, they're like, oh my God, I wish I, wish I was able to work like that. Because it's a, it's a really cool way to make a movie and we're pretty unique in that we do that. The same is also true, incidentally, of the score. So, not, not the complete score, but there, there's some scenes um, where my brother will work with Tyler Bates beforehand uh, and have a little bit of a, a, an idea of the score and they'll record like a sort of, um, you know, a, a sort of like raw version of the score so that we can play it over certain action sequences and things like that while we're shooting them, which is really cool. Chris Pratt, in particular, loves having action music playing while <laughs> shooting his action scenes. <laughs> All right, white hair. I mean, the, the question is, what's it like creatively co collaborating with a family member? And, um, and I think that the, that, uh, you know, the piece of advice I have, I think, is the, probably the only important piece of advice, which is that work is work, and family time is family time, mm -hmm. and that you have to separate the two. And, and you have to know when, when you have an argument, that's about the work that you're doing, that it's just that. You need to be able to have the creative freedom to say, no, no, that doesn't work for me. I just, you, maybe even to say, I think that's a stupid idea or something that you wouldn't normally say to a family member and know that you leave that there, that that's just about whatever piece you're working on, you know, and that that's never gonna affect so that you know, hey, I love you, you love me, we both know that, that's never gonna change. When the day, when this day of work is over, we're going to go back to being brother and sister, and and that's that's rock solid. But when we're working on something, that's work time, and we need to treat each other as collaborators and colleagues. Um, and and I would say that for my own brother, we had tons of practice. We've been working on projects since we were little in one capacity or another. And he's the older brother, so it's easier for me to be in a position of subordination where he's my <laughs> boss, you know, like I'm used to that. And it's true, and that is also how our, our, our jobs, you know, shake out. I'm an actor, he's a writer-director, he's my boss on set. So I have to be aware of that and not be like, oh, you can't boss me around, you know, the way maybe I would have when I was a kid. I can't do that on set because it's not my job, you know. But yeah, keep them separate, that's the, that's the advice. As the oldest brother, I approve of all that advice. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, uh, middle section needs a question now. I'm gonna go back over there. Yes. 
The white whale. Uh, you know, I, I was, there have been a couple of things that no one really ever even saw, like, like for a pilot that I thought was going to be the biggest show in the world and, you know, that I really wanted a role and I didn't get it and then the pilot didn't even go anywhere anyway. Um, which is why it's good to sort of, you know, part of my job is you audition and then you let it go. Like you have to work like that, otherwise you'll get squashed by the rejection. Because you, you, every, every actor you see who has any kind of success or fame has had at least 10 times, maybe 100 times or 1,000 times as many rejections as they've had successes. That's just how it works. Um, but uh, I can say that I was, I was up for a lead role on the show Angel that I didn't get. That was a very, that was a vi that I was very close to. It was a very early uh, grave disappointment in my career. <laughs> For those in the back, he nodded. Subtly, but he nodded. Tina. That's a good question. Um, you know, <clears throat> so the differences between my brother and the Russos is, it's really just like it is with any directors. Like, directors work differently. And so um, they, they work, the Russos work uh, in, in a very different way than my brother does. And so you just have to, you know, it was easier with my brother because we already have the shorthand for communicating with one another. We don't have to learn how the other works and sort of tiptoe around it. We already know that so we can dive in head first on day one. It's not like that with other directors, but I'm used to working with all kinds of different directors. So, um, you know, the Russos are different. I love what they do. Uh, they're, um, they're a little more, they, um, there are times on set where it's, it seems more, uh, uh, how should I say it? It seems more, more um, it, like fly by the seat of your pants sometimes on set, which I love, which I think is really cool, and it's why, um, why I think that a lot of their, like, a lot of those action scenes that we'll be shooting and I'll be like, when we're shooting it, I'm like, I got no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> and then I'll see it and I'll be like, that's kick ass, you know? <laughs> um, and so, um, so they're different. They, you know, they communicate a little differently. Um, and, uh, but I, I think they're great. It's just something you gotta do with every job is sort of, figure out the nuances of your director. Awesome. All right, right there, yes. Yeah, you got it. How did you prepare for running downstairs naked? How did I prepare to run naked? Oh, and not lose it, like, what do you mean lose it? Like, start laughing? <laughs> I don't always burst out laughing when I'm naked. You know what, the, the funny thing is, is that that's really true. It's like, I get asked a question a lot, like, how did you not lose it in the scene? How did you keep a straight face? And the answer to that is that it's really, I mean, I never, I'm not, 
I don't think of it as being funny, really, when I'm doing it, you know, for the most part. It's like, I know that I'm telling a joke. I know that, there, I know that there's humor to be mined from my behavior, so to speak. But I don't think that, like, oh, oh my god, this is so funny what I'm doing. <laughs> I have to be thinking about it the way that Kirk is thinking about it. And Kirk's terrified in that moment. Like, it's hilarious to you, but that's not funny to Kirk. You know? Screaming naked, he's having a night terror. He's terrified. So I just do that, you know? I mean, I just try to get to where the character is and do him justice. And, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't ever want to comment on what I'm doing, you know? All right. Middle section question, anybody? Yes. Tweet it to us later? Yeah, I will. I'll try to see if I can get an answer for that. If she ever saw us working together. I mean, there's six of us in my family. So, um, and we, um, and we've worked together. James and I have worked together the most, but mostly just because our jobs fit together the best. You know, um, he, he just uh, produced a film that my brother Brian, uh, who's been a screenwriter for, for a long time, he just produced a film that my brother Brian wrote, so they worked together on that. And, um, and I think that there are ways in which, if we could work with our other brothers, we probably would and maybe we will someday. Um, but we were always very close. We're not, very, we're not really competitive with one another at all, which is, um, which is rare, because we're really close in age. There's six of us, five boys, um, one girl. All the boys are in the entertainment industry. so. Um, I, I kind of don't know how that worked out. It's a weird, um, it's a weird thing that my family all ended up doing that. But uh, I don't know if she thought that we ever would. She's probably pretty happy about it, though. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to find out. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask my mom. I blink twice if we need to get contact and security for you. <laughs> right there, blue shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. 300 songs. That, doesn't that blow in your mind? I don't know. Maybe you'll get, a, yeah, maybe you'll get an old school one of those little iPods in the next one. That would be great. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that thing with the, with the Zoom. I, uh, I think it's funny, and I hope that, um, you know, I, I think that the, the implication is... Um, my hope, I don't even know this, but I, I hope that there's songs from the Guardians 3 will be songs from the Zoom, so we can hear what kind of, uh, you know, ridiculous music that Yandy's been listening to. <laughs> um, as for Kraglin, um, I cannot say, obviously, anything about whether or not he lives, but I can say this, I can say that you will find out whether or not he lives. Oh, Great. One of my most exciting things about Infinity War, I think it was the only one in the theater that was like, wow, when I heard Rubber Band Man come on. Because I was so excited to hear that he was still hearing music from the 70s, 80s. Yeah. He hadn't moved past that yet. 
I, I'm pretty sure that for Rubber Band Man, um, that my brother gave Joe and Anthony, like they, they, they consulted with him about what sort of feel they wanted, what kind of tone they wanted, and then he gave them three or four songs mm. to choose from that he thought would work, and they chose Rubber Band Man. That is awesome. All right, right there, high hand, yes.
how hard that is to turn to make that material pop the way that he does. So uh, I definitely really love working with that. All right, we have time for one more question. And so I'm just going to see who has their hand up the most enthusiastically, because not having a line is stressing me out. Right there with the wave. You were just waving, yeah. some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher.